You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. It's just me and you today. Nikki and Dan have the day off. It's a holiday week here in the United States. Hope everyone stayed safe. Before we get going, you know how to get in touch with us. You can find us at Golf Unfiltered on all the major social media networks, platforms. And you can send me an email, Adam, at GolfUnfiltered.com. And just a reminder... We are brought to you by our friends over at Bridgestone Golf. They are our title sponsor for the podcast. It's been great to work with them. We've been big fans of theirs for a long time. And so it just made sense for them to, uh, for us to partner with them, really, because we enjoy their stuff. Best golf balls out there. I still believe that. And uh, try them out if you haven't. I mean, if they're good enough for Tiger, they're good enough for you, right? Today on the show, I'm going to talk to you about a few things that are going on in professional golf. Of course, the Ryder Cup is right around the corner. The teams are set. I will offer a few thoughts on that whole process. Obviously, it got a lot of attention with the Live Golf uh, existence, the existence of Live Golf, uh, and whether or not any of those players would make the teams, and we now know the answer to that question. But before we get into that, if you uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, you've already seen these videos get posted And if you don't subscribe to us on YouTube, please go do so. We're just over there at Golf Unfiltered as well, because I just got done uploading parts one and two uh, to our channel, what I am calling the ultimate short game guide with Jonathan Statton. Now, Jonathan Statton is a teaching professional. He is located in two locations, actually, here in the Chicagoland area. One is called the Golf House. You can go to thegolfhouse.org. Uh, to learn a little bit more about that. It's located in Aurora, Illinois. It is an indoor facility. I've not had the chance to visit there just yet, but I will make my way out there. And Jonathan has put together the what appears to be the best practice facility in this area. Because not only do you get to go hit off of uh, GC Quad, TrackMan, get your data, get your, your analytics folks when you're hitting uh, golf shots, but you also have the option of purchasing a membership where you can go and not only stay warm during the winter, keep your game sharp, even during the summer, of course, but you can also get instruction direct from Jonathan as part of your membership. Pretty good deal. His second location is where I actually went and saw him. Uh, He teaches out of Fox Bend Golf Course in Oswego, Illinois, pretty far out west, uh, depending on where you are. And It's a great golf course. I've had the chance to play it a couple times in the past. I hadn't been out there for many years, but Jonathan was recommended to me by a mutual friend of ours, Chris Campbell from Mizuno Golf. He's been on the show in the past. And I wanted to see Jonathan because, or anyone really, because I needed help with my short game. Jonathan was recommended to me. So we reached out to Jonathan, uh, who has a pretty healthy following on social media. Go and follow him at jstatengolf. On Instagram, for example, is his largest uh, audience that I could see. And I wanted to learn a little bit about chipping, pitching, you know, bunker play, different lies on the golf course, all these things that I know a good amount about already, but I just haven't been able to, to execute these things, these shots, like a player of my caliber should. And for context, and I don't mean this to 
you know, good for me or whatever. But I, I'm, a, I'm a single digit handicap. I, I've always felt like I could get to another level in my, my game, especially since I've been playing for almost 30 years by now, which is really depressing. But I had never really been able to get to that next level. And so I had the chance to go uh, do a couple videos with Jonathan. We had a two-hour lesson, which was great. Uh, we had a lot of time to work on a lot of different things. And on our YouTube channel right now, parts one and two cover two topics. The first is essentially how to spin chip shots like a tour pro. Uh, Jonathan teaches uh, guys on different tours. He has some very elite players. He also teaches uh, junior golfers as well, so he covers the spectrum there. And one of the things that I always struggled with in my game, and maybe you listening to this take a similar approach to your short game, especially on chips, I always pretty much just hit a bump and run for my chips. You know, just get the ball on the ground as soon as possible and play it like a putt, essentially. Now, as Jonathan explained to me, there are times when that type of shot is is necessary, right? And you have to be able to assess not only the lie that you're faced with, but the situation on the golf course that you're in. I kind of took that completely out of my game, and I just went by default to this approach of chip, let it run out, chip, let it run out. And that's, that's not optimal depending on certain situations. So it's a relatively longer video. I believe it's just under half an hour. And it, Jonathan covers a wide range of different topics in just this little chip shot. And by the end of it, I was able to, to not only spin the ball, but do so on command. And I know that some of us who have been playing for a long time, you're probably thinking, oh, wow, good for you. You're able to spin a chip shot, right? <laughs> well, what I really appreciated about it is uh, Jonathan challenged many of the things that I thought I knew about this part of my game. There was a time, folks, there was a time when I felt that chipping was the strongest part of my game. I, I don't think that anymore. However, Jonathan put me on a path where I believe that I can get back there because as I explained to him, you know, I've had the chance to use all these, uh, you know, shot tracking devices, right? Like Arcos and, and shot scope and whatever else. And they all deal with strokes gained, you know, Mark Brody, we all know the name. If we watch, you know, golf on TV, he came up with this, uh, this metric and this system strokes gained. And, and all of these systems that I've used, they have all told me that I lose most of my strokes around the green. You know, the second worst is my approach shot, which, you know, those two things go hand in hand, right? If you're not hitting a lot of greens, chances are you have a lot of opportunities to get up and down. And if you don't do that, well, your score is going to go up. So we talk all about that in part one. I encourage you to go out and uh, search it on YouTube. Uh, and just last night, I, I posted part two, where Jonathan uh, was able to talk through different lies that you might run into uh, on the golf course. And I'm talking about the lie of your golf ball, not the lies that your friends tell you. Or that maybe you tell yourself, folks. Let's not get too deep here, all right? <laughs> but Jonathan does a great job of um, explaining in about a 10-minute a time frame his grading system to assess different lies on the golf course. Now, we talk about, 
you know, the perfect lie that we run into when the ball's on the fairway or just off the green on the fringe, right? You can pretty much do anything that you want with that golf ball. Jonathan goes into detail on that. But then there are three other lies that we talk about in the video, and I don't want to spoil it too much because, you know, go out and watch the video on YouTube. But we also talk about a ball that is, you know, kind of sitting on top of, uh, of the rough, you know, right on top of the root system. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a flyer lie or, or perhaps one of those lies that you run into where you put a lofted club on and it goes right underneath the golf ball and doesn't go anywhere. So he discusses how to approach that shot. And then the ball just gets deeper in the final two lies that we talk about in this video, all the way down to where Jonathan was actually stepping on a golf ball, you know, a plugged in the rough uh, lie that we might run into once around, if that. But when we do, and if we don't execute it appro appropriately, it could really ruin a score. And we've all been there. We've been playing well. We run into one bad break, and then all of a sudden, it's just downhill from there. So it was a really good experience, and it had been the first short game lesson that I think I've received in, gosh, easily over 15 years. Easily. In fact, I might even go so far as to say it was the only lesson I've ever taken specifically on the short game. And it was the first golf lesson that I've taken in a while. And man, it's, it's good to just get a, a refresher. So if you've, if you've not gone to a golf lesson ever or recently, you know, I don't care how good of a player you are. These are great opportunities to learn something new, to sharpen skills that you already have honed pretty well, because we could all continuously improve, right? We've talked about that on the podcast in the past. And in my case, it was really important for me to understand, all right, what is it that I'm trying to achieve with this shot that I'm facing, and am I approaching it appropriately? You know, I don't want to say correctly, because as we all know, golf isn't this one-size-fits-all sport that you have to do it this way, you have to swing the club this way. You know, that, that isn't a mentality or a teaching technique that is helpful to anyone and it certainly isn't what what John uh, Jonathan teaches you know he he gave me the 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 fundamentals I would say even advanced fundamentals if there is such a thing uh, to approaching different shots understanding that I had been playing for as long as I've been playing and I am able to do certain things differently than perhaps a beginner someone who's just you know fresh out of the gates would never be able to comprehend nor execute. Now, there will be parts three and possibly four. Here's the issue that I ran into uh, being the, I would consider it an amateur videographer, <laughs> especially when I'm running around, you know, trying to do this myself with a few cameras and uh, also, by the way, have to learn something with this golf lesson. Um, I ran into some issues with the camera as well as some audio. And so if you do go out to YouTube and you do watch these videos, I apologize. You're going to hear some audio issues, uh, certainly in part one. Part two, I think, came across pretty pretty clean. But um, I also have videos on uh, pitching. So we, we bring the golf ball back a little bit farther. I think we were hitting like 30 yard or under uh, pitch shots. And then uh, we also covered bunker play, which by far is the worst part of my game. I would guess that many of you listening to this would probably agree that that is not a 
a fun part of golf. You know, I try to avoid bunkers whenever possible to the point where I think it actually costs me strokes because I aim away from bunkers sometimes. You know, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, when you watch TV or you watch the pros on TV, a lot of times they, they are actually trying to hit it into a bunker, depending on where they are, of course, because they know how to get up and down from those. It's almost you're, you're, you're more likely going to get a, a quote unquote clean lie out of a bunker, you know, unless it's buried, of course, uh, than you would have gotten had you just, you know, blew it out into the deep rough somewhere. So I would love to get to a point where that part of my game, I at least am not terrified <laughs> Because I'll tell you, I mean, I do it all in the bunkers, folks. I, I, I skull it. I leave it in. You know, I, I just, oh, gosh. It's just, I'm getting I'm getting a headache just thinking of it now. And what I really appreciated about Jonathan's um, teaching style, and we'll bring Jonathan on the podcast here in a little while, but he, um, he emphasizes that failure is an important part of this entire process. If you go and look at the videos, you'll see that there are a couple shots that I hit that that are really bad. And I, I purposely left them in there because sometimes you go on YouTube and you see these people hitting like perfect shots over and over again. Uh, yeah, that wasn't me. Um, I went ahead and I, I left that in. And you, you'll hear Jonathan say, you know, failure, you learn from failure, right? That is something that you learn from. And then you just try to keep it simple as far as, okay, well, why didn't that end up the way that I wanted it to. Jonathan explains what he means by that as well. So go out, subscribe on YouTube. Golf Unfiltered is the channel name, of course. And uh, you'll see parts one and two up there. It was a really good experience. It's something that I think uh, people should go and do at least, you know, once every couple years. You know, just get a refresher. Go get a tune-up. You know, if you're a better player and you play more often, Hey, maybe it even makes sense to get a long-term coach and go more frequently because you're playing at a at a level that you expect so much more out of yourself. Why not, you know, increase your chances of meeting those expectations by working with someone that knows who they're, you know, what they're talking about. So, uh, go and do that and uh, let me know what your thoughts are. Leave them in the comments when you go to those videos. Hopefully, I'm able to uh, rescue some of the audio and the other parts, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll get those parts up there uh, as well. The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club, who we are happy and proud to partner with once again this year. Cog Hill features 72 holes of championship golf, including the world-famous Dubs Dread. They have a completely renovated practice area and driving range. It's essentially an academy that you can go and spend not only the day improving your game, but at night they've got lights now and two bars as well as a food truck to spend some quality time with some friends and family. They've been doing it this way since 1927, folks. Go out to coghillgolf.com to learn more. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Sharp Focus Nutrition. Let's face it, when you go out and play golf, you probably don't eat and drink very well. Well, a couple hot dogs, a few beers, yeah, we get it. Sharp Focus Nutrition replaces all of that with a systematic way to not only stay replenished throughout your round, but to also improve your game in doing so. Go out to sharpfocusnutrition.com to learn about their system. Let them know that we sent you. Pick up a system right now, sharpfocusnutrition.com. Golf Unfiltered is proud to partner once again with Mizuno Golf for 2023. 
Mizuno Golf is offering their new JPX 923 irons. And if you haven't heard about these yet, go out to our YouTube channel and see a full fitting that I do with Mizuno at Coghill Golf and Country Club. These irons are spectacular. They've got three medals, five different options of irons spanning the player's spectrum. So you are for sure going to find something great for your game. Go out to MizunoUSA.com today to learn more. All right. Second topic for today, we're going to talk about the Ryder Cup picks. Obviously, there's been a lot of chatter on social media wondering who's going to be picked outside of the automatic qualifiers. You know, those names, they're in. Nobody's going to argue with them because nobody can argue with those names because they're automatic qualifiers, right? That's the way that this works in this world. The captain's picks every single year, every single Ryder Cup is always this this lightning rod of, of hot takes and you know, just these, these outlandish opinions on whether or not somebody should come in or not, you know, let's, let's just call it what it is. Okay. The Ryder cup, you know, despite all of the, the pomp and circumstance that it gets and all the, the talk about, Oh, you're representing your country or your nation and all that. Look, the Ryder cup is nothing more than a team competition exhibition that if you're in, you're in, and I'm not talking about, you know, you you know where I'm going with this, right? I mean, if you are in the good graces, especially on the American side, I, I'm not going to say so much on the European side because they have a lot more, you know, they have a larger scope to work with over there. But at least on the U.S. side, yeah, it's going to be the same names most often. Again, outside of the automatic qualifiers. You can't really do anything about that. So if if you're listening to this, or if you've been watching any of the coverage about the Ryder cup and you don't like one of the names on the teams and they were an automatic qualifier, I mean, you can't, you can't do anything about that. Good for them. They qualified, you know, that's, that's the way you're supposed to make a team. But I mean, the, the captain's picks element of this competition, this exhibition competition, it's always been controversial. It's always going to spur controversy. There's no way around it. It's a subjective process that they've gone and over the years, they make it this huge press conference. There was a Zoom call that I had the opportunity to sit on as well as many others were able to observe. And my goodness, it's just, it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It really doesn't. You know, and you might be thinking, okay, Adam, what what is he going to get upset about this? I mean, look, guys, it (laughs) was there any was there any chance that Justin Thomas wasn't going to be on the team? I know in the last episode, you know, Nikki, Dan and I, we were talking about, you know, don't put JT on the team. There's no way that this guy is at any point in his game right now that would make him worthy of being chosen for the Ryder Cup team. But wait, hold on. Hold on. Oh, I forgot. He was going to make the team, especially if his boy Jordan was making the team. I mean, uh, there should be no surprise that this occurred. And while it doesn't make much sense from a a state of that person's game right now, I mean, Zach Johnson, Captain Zach Johnson of uh, the U.S. side, when he went up and did his, his press conference announcing his picks, and I believe other other shows have talked about this ad nauseum, it was, they, they get asked, 
you know, what, what went through your head, you know, about this person, that person, why did you choose him, 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 you know, and then they get to JT and he t- says all these things about how JT's like the, the soul of the locker room or whatever. And it's like, Oh God, come on. I mean, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Now I know I'm, I'm oversimplifying this. I know that there are people who absolutely live and die for the Ryder Cup. They love this. I've got two buddies that are flying to Rome to go and watch the Ryder Cup. They're going to have a hell of a time. I know they will. I enjoyed watching the Ryder Cup when it was at Medina however many years ago. That was a good time, you know. But this this assertion or this assumption that it isn't just a, hey, we're all friends, we're going to, you know, go, we're going to go do this together type mentality. I mean, you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to get over this, oh, we're just going to put people on the team to win. No, they're not. No, they're not. That's not the way that this works. Not on the U.S. side. I'm sure this happens a little bit on the European side too, but not on the U.S. side. Now, I know one of the phrases that's been thrown around a lot is this, you know, this old boys club. Maybe that's appropriate. I don't know. I know the PGA of America, you know, it has, you know, the the input into the U.S. side of the Ryder Cup. I get that. It's not a PGA Tour thing officially. But this phrase of old boys club, again, no matter how appropriate, it's there's a lot of connotation that goes along with that phrase. Okay, so I'm not going to go that far as to say that that's what it is. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But the Ryder Cup is an opportunity for the United States side to really define who their stars are. It makes or at least contributes to legacies. Okay? If you play along well, if you get, you know, if you get along well with other guys in the locker room, then you're going to be part of a group that not only the media will love, fans will adore, your fellow playing partners will also love, and long-term, people are going to think back about, oh, what role did you play in these matches, okay? The Ryder Cup is a massive media marketing opportunity, and it's a brand marketing opportunity. That's what it is. I won't say that that's all it is. Obviously, there is the, you know, the the play for your nation, that you know, the national pride type thing. Great. That's that's wonderful. There are many people that love that. I don't particularly care that much about it. Whatever. Uh, it's not the Olympics. But it's it's treated that way, and it's it's very hypocritical to have those two things coexist. Is it this patriotic national pride type event that you're representing everyone else not on that team? Or is it let's get our friends together and go play golf over a weekend? Right? Now, maybe it's both. I'm not a believer of that. (laughs) I am pretty cynical when it comes to that. 
in my opinion, you can't have both. Because if you want the best players to represent a country, and I think the Olympics is a really good parallel here, people don't just get picked to go on the Olympics or, or compete in the Olympics because they get along well with others. Now, maybe there's others who, who know more than I do about the Olympic selection process, especially for team sports. Call me out. Send me an email, adam at golfandfilter.com. Let me know that I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure people have to compete and then qualify to be on those teams, especially in individual events. Now, I digress. The European side seems to have a, a system that I won't say is completely immune to this, hey, you get along with this guy mentality, but they've got a lot of ground to cover, literally, from a national perspective. It's not just one country. And more often than not, they bring the best competitors to the table, right? But again, there's still a little bit of this marketing, this brand awareness, brand in terms of a player awareness component even on the Euro side. So what does this mean for the Ryder Cup in 2023? Well, in just a few short weeks, we're going to learn exactly what all of this translates to. Obviously, Justin Thomas is going to be one of the biggest stories that we're all going to become annoyed by on the United States side. The second biggest story, I think, is the fact that Brooks Kepka is the only live golf player that made either team. And that's kind of been this thing that's died down a little bit, I believe, especially with the framework agreement that we've talked about on this show as well as it, you know everyone else is talking about it. That has died down a little bit. But it was pretty glaringly obvious, especially with Brooks being the only live golf player on either side making the team, that the United States is a little bit more like, all right, well, we'll play along. We can't really... You know, we can't really argue with what Brooks did, you know, winning a major and, and all this other stuff. He's, he's been playing very strong. But then the European side kind of stuck to their guns. Remember, Henrik Stenson was the original European, uh, European team captain. He went to live. They kicked him out. Luke Donald is in. The European side stuck to their guns a little bit here. They didn't bring someone from the live golf side. You know, we're not talking about the Ian Poulters who has been in the Ryder Cup for a million years. Sergio Garcia, who even John Rahm has mentioned. If you don't have him on the Ryder Cup, he's the best, you know, Ryder Cup uh, player from Spain ever. How do you not have him on? They stuck to their guns. I got to give them credit to that. I don't think that's going to happen again in the next Ryder Cup two years from now. But at least for this one, which again, kind of goes back to that narrative. If this is truly fielding the best teams out there, maybe all maybe all live golf players should be considered. Now, I don't know on the European side who who would have made it. I mean, I haven't watched live golf. That's a choice. I I just don't. Well, it's kind of a choice. I don't really have I don't really have access to to watching a lot of live golf tournaments. But the point being here, folks, is that the Ryder Cup is definitely a fun thing to watch over a weekend every two years. I don't believe that it's this monumental historical thing as much as everyone wants to make it out to be, and I don't think it's going to be that again this year. 
Now, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe something outstanding happens in Rome. The fact that it's happening in Rome, we're going to see all of the narratives come out. You know, we're going to see a million different, you know, drone flyover shots of all the, you know, the Colosseum and all all these other things. But we're also going to see a golf course that uh, we haven't had the chance to see, if at all. And it's going to be entertaining, to say the least. But don't let, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm on on an island by myself. But it just feels so forced to make the Ryder Cup this thing that defines anything other than a really, really good marketing opportunity for these players. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts on the whole matter. Again, you can reach out to me directly on email, uh, adam at golfunfiltered.com. Hit us up on social at Golf Unfiltered, all the big ones, Twitter, X, you know, whatever it is, uh, Instagram, threads, TikTok. Let me know your thoughts. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks to everyone for sticking with us. It was a midweek release for this podcast. We needed a couple days off around Labor Day, just like everybody else. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. You can always find us on bleav.com. That is our new podcast platform that we are part of. It's pronounced Believe, but they've taken some of the vowels out. And it's a really cool platform if you've not uh, if you've not visited it before. Uh, they've, they cover every sport out there. You know, golf is kind of dying down a little bit right now, but when things get picked up again in the spring, I'm sure that we will be featured a little bit more. But they've got, you know, NFL is crazy right now, uh, obviously. Uh, college football, all of that. They cover all the bases over at bleav.com. Go and just find, I mean, Pac-Man Jones. Well, can I just say this for a second? Pac-Man Jones, the, the ex-NFL player, uh, very colorful character, to say the least, he has a podcast with two Muppets. <laughs> it, it might be the best idea for a podcast trio that I've ever I've ever seen. It's it's absolutely incredible. Check that one out, and uh, they've got all sorts of you know uh, former professional athletes, current professional athletes actually too, uh, hosting podcasts over on that platform. So that's all for this week, folks. Be kind to one another. Stay safe. If you're still playing golf like me, go out, play well, go take a lesson. It'll help you out. I don't care if it's towards the end of the season already, but uh, stay well, and we will be back again very soon. 